Well, I, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the honor of being able to deliver the charge today. I'm going to deliver the charge primarily to Lane, somewhat to you, but you can listen on because I think that we have a word for all of us here. Uh, the office of the deacon is actually, God has set up two offices in the church. That's what we heard in Philippians 1.1, to the overseers and deacons. Those two offices are to reflect and do reflect Jesus's ministry of word and deed. Throughout the book of Matthew, for instance, we see that Jesus taught mightily and also did mighty deeds. You see this uh, throughout the book of Acts that the church carries on his word and deed ministry through preaching and then through doing service. There goes my notes. Also, uh, in, in books like Peter's epistle, he talks about um, the gifts that have been divided, and he talks about word gifts and service gifts. Uh, these two um, division, word and service, we see throughout the scriptures, and the offices of the church are meant to, to typify that. So I don't think there's any other place that serves, uh, that shows the nature of the service of Jesus quite like John chapter 13. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 13, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. And what is the example? That Jesus got up from the table that he disrobed, that he took a basin of water, that he walked around the table, and that he washed his disciples' feet. Lane, a lot has been made of this foot washing, and rightly so. Uh, it was a job that was reserved for slaves. Roman citizens would not wash feet. In fact, Jews, in some regions, didn't even allow some of their slaves to wash feet. It was such a lowly job. That's something if you think about it. There were whole segments of the population that thought it was wrong to wash feet. I mean, this would have been something like cleaning toilets or combing lice or changing catheters. It was not the most desirable job. It was beneath the disciples, obviously, because none of them got up and did it. But it wasn't beneath Jesus. It wasn't beneath our Savior. I have set you an example, he says. And this is the example. And so, Lane, I charge you to serve as Jesus served. That means I charge you to disregard the expectations and evaluations of others as you elevate the example of Jesus. Did you notice uh, one of the things in this text is that the disciples are utterly astounded. In verses 6 and 7, when Jesus gets around to Peter, and Peter's often representing the disciples' viewpoint, Peter's like, what are you doing? You can't wash my feet. He is utterly astounded. But see, what Jesus is doing here is he is flipping the script on expectations and social expectations. 
Not only ancient ones, but ours. You see, in verse 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and he does not deny it. He says, and rightly so. And then he goes on to say, and this is what it means to be your Lord. This is what it means to have power. This is what it means to have authority. This is what it means to be a teacher. So Jesus redefines greatness as service. Whoever would be great among you must become servant of all. Jesus redefines richness as empowerment. Because he was rich, Paul writes, because he was rich, he became poor for our sakes, so that through his poverty we might become rich. It wasn't even though he was rich. Don't let the translators fool you. Jesus' wealth was shown in his ability to give away. And it was precisely because he was in very nature God, that he did not consider that equality, that divine status, something to be exploited for his own advantage. But he divested himself. He became a slave. And he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Not in spite of the fact that he was God, but actually because that's where Godness lies. That's what it means to be God. Our God is God crucified. That's how he reveals himself. That's where power resides. And so, what Jesus does is he, he takes ideas and concepts like authority and power and wealth and richness and success, and he takes them up and at once he cancels them, he transcends them, and he redefines them in light of what he has done in Jesus Christ. So here's what that means. And it means that you have to evaluate success in ministry not by the applause that you receive, but by the empowerment that you bring. Jesus' richness was shown in the fact that he could make others rich, not because of his bank account. It's what he did for others. Sometimes that will mean taking on incredibly demeaning jobs. Jobs that you and others might think that you are above. But Jesus shows us that he's not above any of it. In fact, it is because he is so high and mighty that he is able to go so low. And his might is shown and his loveliness. Sometimes it will mean taking on demeaning jobs. Other times it's going to mean delegating jobs. Because remember, service is empowerment. And to empower others, you have to actually maybe give up of yourself and your own platform and invite people in. That's what Christian leadership looks like. That's what it means to serve. And so I charge you, I charge you to serve as Jesus served by disregarding the expectations and evaluations of others. And it actually may need to start with yourself, your own expectations and evaluations of what success looks like, of what wealth looks like, uh, of what it means to actually flourish and redefine that in light of the example we have here in Jesus Christ.
Second, I want to charge you to serve in such a way that it puts the needs of others ahead of your own honor. What motivated Jesus to get up from the table that night was not his honor, but their need. What motivated Jesus was not the loneliness or lack of loneliness of the job, but the loneliness of the disciples. You see, a whole lot has been made over this foot washing business, and we even have foot washing services as Christians. I actually don't think that that gets at the point of what ancient foot washing was all about, because we would allow other people in our society to do that, most of us. It was so low for them. But we forget, I think, when we talk about this foot washing business and this example, what the whole point of it was. In the ancient world, why did you have a slave wash someone's feet? Why would a slave come and wash your feet? It was so that you could get to the table. Jesus is washing feet, not simply to wash feet. He's washing feet so that he can gather his disciples around the table so that they can have a meal together because Jesus loves to gather people around the table. And so let's not forget by focusing on the how that he did it, let's not forget why he did it so that we could come to the feast. Now, Lane, I know that you love to prepare meals. I know that so much that last night we talked about the fact that because brisket, you, you, know, you actually know the market price of brisket and where it's gone over the past year. So Lane is telling me last night how brisket has gone. I didn't realize this. Brisket was at like 290. Now, if, if I'm wrong, Lane can correct me. It was at like 290 at the beginning of the year. That's normal. Apparently during like the pandemic, for some reason, everybody wanted brisket because they had a lot of time to smoke at home. And brisket went up to, I kid you not, $10 a pound. So some of us should have invested in that. But I hope it's sold because now it is back down to like 280 or 290. And so what does Lane go? He goes out and buys all this brisket so that he can cook meals for people. And then he is cooking meals and he's delivering meals to people because he loves to gather people around the table. What I want you to know, Lane, is that that is the heart of Jesus in you. That's been the heart of Jesus from the very beginning because it's been the heart of God. Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. Behold, I've given you every plant for food. God is bringing humanity to a table. That's been his purpose all along. And the church is to carry on that ministry. That's why in Acts chapter 6, when the apostles are working at praying and teaching, some of the widows who are Greek are getting neglected in the distribution of food. And so the apostles, they, they decide to have the church appoint that seven guys who they, they make sure are giving the widows their food. And the interesting thing about that text is most people look at it and they say, look at the priority of the word. The apostles say, we can't give up preaching and we can't give up teaching and we can't give up praying. And that's right. They couldn't. But you know what else they couldn't give up? They couldn't give up the widows not getting to the table. That's why they appointed people. So it's not that they're just prioritizing the word. They're dividing labor because they realize that they're both important. Lane. 
Keep bringing people to the table. And don't forget that that's the whole point. That it's there at the table that we express the communion of saints and the koinonia. It's there that we share meal and life and bread and humanity and humility. As we each take bites and have to remind ourselves that I'm a creature and I have to stop talking to eat right now. Because if I don't, I will die. And we come around that table together in humility and love and dependence upon God. And God binds us together in our common humanity. And it's not just the dinner table, but it's this table. This is the table that God wants to gather people around. And so as you go about your labor, I charge you to continue, continue to serve in such a way that puts the needs of the disciples and disciples not yet named ahead of your own honor and to do whatever it takes and continue to do whatever it takes as you have done to get people to the table. Don't ever forget that goal. Finally, Lane, I charge you, I charge you to serve in the experience of God's love. What was it that enabled Jesus on the night on which he was going to be betrayed, which the text starts off talking about the fact that he knew that one of his disciples was going to betray him. He knew that his hour had come. He knew that the end was there. How, with all that distraction, was he able to get up in the course on Passover, or before the Passover, in the course of a meal, to get up and to wash the disciples' feet and to do this work? We don't have to ask the question. The text tells us, verse 3 and 4, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus knew his status and he knew his relationship with the Father. Verse 4, so he got up. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Remember that word, so. What enables you to keep going and to serve? It's serving in the realization that you know who your maker is. You know who your redeemer is. And you know that he has a home prepared for you. And you know that he died to give you a place at this table that he washed you. That you know that you are the father's child and that he loves you. And that love will last forever. So you get up. You get up out of the experience of God's love. That's the only way we can continue to serve, and that's the only way any of us can serve. And so let me invite you, believers in Jesus Christ, to come around the table as well, to share in koinonia and in fellowship, to share and pass the bread, to share and pass your lives, to come around and to know your love and to serve one another. 
as God has gifted each of you and given each of you gifts. That's what the diaconate is about. That, you know, the, the diaconate, the word means, um, they talk about serving tables. The word actually means a go-between. It's the person who brings the food from the cooks to the table. In other words, what the deacons are, they're connectors. They connect gifts with needs. And guess what? Every single one of you is a believer in Jesus Christ has gifts. And guess what else? Every single one of you who is a believer in Jesus Christ has needs. And so share. Share with one another. And let Lane help you do that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.